0: We're going to study tonight a couple of interesting chuvas dealing with a colorful and interesting custom, not the most common scenario most of us will find ourselves in. Nevertheless, it is a very interesting bit of cultural history, and we'll see further that there are some major ramifications of this discussion, very broad ramifications to conventional practice that does affect many of us as well. The custom that the, the, the two chuvas we're going to see are a chuva of the Rashba in the 13th or 14th century and a chuva of the Radvaz in the 16th century. They both deal with a Muslim practice. This is the Muslim practice of that when they do shechita, when, when they slaughter animals, there is a din l'chatila in Islam that you are supposed to slaughter the animal facing the Qibla. Al-Qibla is a major theme in Islam. We Jews, when we pray, we face toward Yerushalayim, which is roughly east for most of us in, for us in the western hemisphere in the United States. It can be other directions. If you live in Sfas. it can be south. If you live in Iraq or someplace to the east of Yerushalayim, it can be to the west. We face we 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 face toward Jerusalem, which in Europe and the U.S. is often Mizrah. The Muslims have an idea of al kibla. Kibla, I think, is related to the Hebrew word ka- lekabel, Kabbalah, meaning toward or facing. It's a direction they face. Early Muslims apparently used to face in general toward Jerusalem, like the Jews did, but eventually they split up. That they split off from the Jews and they they began to face. Uh, they face Mecca. Mecca, a city in Saudi Arabia, that Mecca has their holiest place. Mecca has the Kaaba. It's something in, in Mecca, which is the direction they face during prayer. So This idea that, you, that, you're, that you're supposed to face, that you're, this idea that you're supposed to face, uh, this idea that you're supposed to face toward Mecca, toward the Kaaba, is called Al-Qibla. And in Islam, it plays a major role. They do it in a they, they, that they do it in, uh, in a variety of contexts, certainly when they pray, that's the most famous one. But also, there is an idea that when they do shchita, dabicha, the Islamic slaughter, to make them meet halal, they also are supposed to face the Qibla. Now... There is apparently, you can read Islamic scholarship online. I don't know if there's quite as much as there is halacha online, but there is a great deal of Islamic scholarship online. You can read all about this. Different strains of Islam ascribe different levels of importance to facing the the Qibla when you shecht an animal. Uh, If you actually, if you read the Islamic rules of halal slaughter, and we're actually learning shchita now, that's where I came across this, in the KOL, we're learning Shrita in the morning we're actually learning these halakhas, so it was, it's actually quite amusing to see how many parallels there are between Islamic slaughter and uh, shrita. Shchita is more rigorous, shchita is stricter, but many of the Islamic rules actually have uh, very close parallels in Hilcha Shchita. One of the things they do that we don't do is this Qibla, we don't have any particular direction we're supposed to face. The Muslims are supposed to face the Qibla. The question is, as we would say in halacha, is this ma'akev b'dyavid? Is this just l'chatchilah? Or the meat is still halal, or is this maakev b'diavad and the meat is haram, meaning Usr. So this is apparently a major discussion. Most Muslim thinkers apparently say that it's just lachatila. It's what they call sunnah or uh, Islamic etiquette, but it's not actually maakev. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. It's not absolutely uh, not absolutely uh, a But uh, there are some who say that it can even be b'diavad. So for example an official response of the grand ayatollah, Sayyid al-Husseini al-Sistani, the famous al-Sistani, he says a person, when he shucks an animal, has to face the Qibla. Um, he says, what happens if you don't? He says it depends. If someone knows the rule and purposely ignores angling the animal toward the Qibla, then the animal is haram, it's osir. But if he forgets, or he's not sure exactly, he doesn't know the rule, or he's not sure what direction the Qibla is, and so on, or if he can't do the animal... If he didn't do it in bad faith, then it's not ma'ake. So, uh, and also, Lechachili says the person should face the Qibla as well, not just the animal. So Sistani is relatively machmer. He says that it's even b'deev it's a problem if the person knew the rule and chose to ignore it. Other, other Islamic thinkers say it's just sunnah, it's just a nice thing to do, but it's, uh, the animal is still halal, even though you omitted the, the sunnah, you omitted the etiquette. Lots of discussion about this. When I was looking up these chuvas, I noticed that a lot of them seem to end with the phrase, and Allah knows best. Apparently that's a formulaic ending of Islamic chuvas, You end by saying, and Allah knows best. But anyway, th- they generally recommend that you do this, that, you, that you, the animal should face the Qibla, the person should face the Qibla, but it's not, it's not ma'akev, even according to al-Sistani, it's not ma'akev, it's just that, uh, unless you do it deliberately, you ignore it, then, then it can even be ma'akev. So the question is, this was a question first discussed by the Rashba, is a Jew allowed to do this? If the Muslims demand that you face east when you shek the animal, they're in charge of the slaughterhouse, or you want them to buy your meat, and they tell you if you want to... So, so Muslims, incidentally, generally will eat meat that was not... Many of them certainly will eat meat that was not shekted by a Muslim. They, they, they don't want it to be shame of a a Muslim ideally says uh, in the name of Allah when he shakt, but, in, but it, m- Muslims, at least according to many interpretations, will eat meat that was shakted by a non-Muslim, certainly by a Jew. And that's what we see in the Jewish Radvaz, that they were eating meat that was shakted by Jews, but they used to make the Jews, they used to demand that they face east, that they face the Qibla, which is east if, coming, if they were in Europe. So the question arose, is a Jew allowed to face al-Qibla when he shakt an animal for a Muslim? Is this some violation of the laws of Avodah Zarah or the laws of Chuk Sagayim for a Jew to follow the custom of Qibla when he slaughters an animal for a Muslim? So the discussion starts from a tshuva of the Rashba. As we said, the Rashbah was in the 13th and 14th century in Barcelona. The question he was asked was, Tabach Yisrael, a Jewish butcher, a Jewish sholchet, umakula yishme'elam, an Arab Muslim wheat market, they control the market, the Minag of the Yishma he says, is they slaughter always toward the Mizrach. Again, it's not technically Mizrach, there's actually all kinds of rules, great circles and others, how they establish what direction the Qibla is. But in practice, in the Rashba's area, or wherever they were asking the question from, it was more or less east. And they always turn to the east for their other avodas, and they call that al kibla. And the Heim Machashvin, this is the Rashba's correspondent, they think, they consider Doverzel and Divrei Ruach to Elis. They think this is uh, religious importance. And When a Jew wants to shecht an animal, they will not allow him to shecht. They will not allow him to shecht, him to shecht unless he follows the practice of Al-Kibla. So the Rashba's correspondent says, this other Rav said, when I heard about this, the Jews were giving in and shechting Al-Kibla toward, toward Mecca, I was very upset. It's not enough that they're violating the prohibition against walking in the ordinances of the non-Jews. It's a vodizara, he says. It's an issue of vodizara. They think that they think that facing that direction has spiritual meaning. So that's a Dazara. And the, the Rashba's correspondent brings a proof, brings an analogy. He says, "Shiray Shochit l'Shem Harim." If someone shechts uh, for the sake of mountains, he shechts uh, the, at some kind of obeisance, or he shechts for the infidelity to a mountain. Afilu even if he's not worshiping the mountain, he just believes that it's some kind of mystic ritual that will help uh, cure cure a sick person. Ol shem kshafim, or as part of an occult ritual, Asr. the behemoth becomes Asr if you if you shecht it uh, having a mountain in mind. Even though in our case, that's not what's happening. The Yisrael who's shechting the animal is a pious, God-fearing Jew. He doesn't mean, he doesn't have any idolatrous intent. And the Gemara says, This is the circuit we were doing in the Kolel. The Gemara says that if Ruvain shechts an animal, and Shimon, the owner of the animal, has in mind that the shechita should be for Avodah That does not render the animal non-kosher. The halacha is, if the person who shechts, the shochet himself, if he has in mind an idolatrous intent that renders the animal Osr Bahana, it's, it's called Takrovis Avodah an animal that was offered to an Avodah becomes Osr Bahana, anything, not just animals, that's the whole question of the human hair shaitles, that the hair, may be considered Takrovis Avodah Zara, it was offered in temples and to, to, to Indian gods, but if you, if, you, if you shecht an animal and the Shokhit intends it to be for Avodah that's called shochet L'Shem Avodah and the animal is Osr. However, the Gemara says a rule, it's Machlokis it's but we Paskin Zemachashiv Zahoveid That's only if the if the bad intention is held by the Shachit. But if someone else has the intention, even the owner of the animal, he's not he didn't do the shita. So it does not the animal does not become users. Zebz So therefore, here also the, the Rashba's correspondent agrees, even if the Ishma'eli, the Arab, has idolatrous intentions, but the Jew who shekhs doesn't. He just knows the Muslim wants him to face this direction. So he agrees to do it. But he certainly does not have in mind avodah so lachara the animal is not considered Asir as avodah because zemachashiv is a oved lamrinun. However, he says it might not be technically Asir as an offering of avodah zara, but mikolmakam osiru mishum nira, it's still Asir because of Marasayan, in not how to do this because of Marasayan. He brings another another gemara in the same another mishnah gemara in the same section of chulin a blot later. This is around daf Lamentes, daf Mem, daf you're not allowed to shecht into the water. You're not allowed to shecht with a, over water, where the blood goes into the, the sea. And the Gemara explains, Mishum nira. It's Mara People think that you're bringing an offering, you're offering the blood to the spirit of the sea, to the, to, to the spiritual master of the sea. That looks like a Vodazara. So, you know, even if it's not your intention, it looks bad, so you're not allowed to do that. And this also, if you face east, even if you as a Jew... You you have pious intentions, you believe only in the Kodesh you're not a Muslim. Nevertheless, everyone knows the Muslims face to the Qibla, they face east. If they see you doing this and following Muslim guidelines in Shita, it looks bad, it, it's marazayin, it looks like a vodazar. Please, he told the Rashba, please tell me, he asked the Rashba, is this practice Asr, is it Asr for a Jew to follow the practice of Qibla during Shita? And tell me if there's anything wrong. With your support, if, if I can bring you as, uh, as backup to my position, with Hashem's help, I'll be able to abolish this practice. That was how the question was presented to the Rashba. Jews are doing this. Jews are acquiescing to Muslim demands that they face toward Al-Kibla when they do Shita. The shoel was very upset. He said, it looks like it looks like Avodah it looks like Marzayim of Avodah So please tell me, is this practice okay or not? The, the Rashba's answer, in a nutshell, we'll see it in detail in a minute, but the Rashba's answer essentially is, he agrees that it's a terrible thing for Jews, for Jews to do this, for Jews to follow a Muslim practice. However, he says, the actual precedents from the Mishnayas and Gemaras and Chulin are actually not applicable. The, the two precedents of shechting L'shem Haran for the sake of mountains, or any entity other than Hashem, or the shechting into the sea, where it's and it looks like a Zarah, neither of those two precedents is, re- is really applicable, he says, although he agrees that the practice is repugnant and should be abolished. The Rashba explains as follows, Tshuva, uh, I, I, I support you, I, you, you get credit, he says, for trying to bar this practice. Roi ligar this is appropriate to chastise people who do this, to abolish the custom. He says, He says, but the precedents you brought from Chulin, from Meshnayis and Gemaras and Chulin, are not actually applicable precedents. He says, "Why?" To Hassam he says, "Hashochei ba'atzem lekach." The first mission he brought that if you shecht l'shem harim, then that's called takrovas avodazara. That's called an offering to avodazara, and the behemah's usur is prohibited to us again, as the Shoal himself said. That's only when the Shochit himself intends it for avodazara. He intends to, to offer it for avodazara. He's miskaven lekach. Aval Hacha, as the V'shoel himself said, Zemachashev ze'obed la'omrinan. Here, the Israel who's doing the shechita, he himself has pure intentions. The Muslim who's commissioning him, who controls the market, he might have idolatrous intentions. That's is ze'obed. One person has the makshavah, the other person does the that. avodah. That's not a problem. So the first parallel, to say it's actually takroves avodah zara, that does not apply. Zemachashev ze'obed la'omrinan. Not a problem. The second parallel, the second precedent he brought, It's Marisayan, just like you can't shecht into a yam. That's a question of Marisayan, Says the Rashba, also not a parallel. (inaudible) Our case does not resemble someone who shechts into into a sea, into an ocean, which looks like people suspect him of idolatrous intentions. There he says it really looks bad. It looks problematic. In Talmudic times, the Gemara explains there were those who actually shechted to the spirit of the sea. That was a thing people did. It was something people were guilty of, to shecht to the, to the spiritual master of the sea, some kind of malach, or some, some kind of spiritual entity. So therefore, Tohayam, anyone who shechts into the ocean, even if he doesn't say anything about spirits of the sea, nera. It's marasayim. It looks like people have, people have ground for suspicion that he's shechting l'shem of zaris. You're not allowed to do that. That is marasayim. Hoden shok Another example, the Gemara says, you're to, not to catch the blood, you're not supposed to do it into a keli, into a bowl, you're not supposed to do it into a hole in the ground. Anytime it looks like you're collecting the blood, the blood in some kind of receptacle, people think that maybe you're collecting blood, we don't have the base of Mikdash, it's not a carbon, so maybe you're doing it to offer to to Avodizar. Those are legitimate Mara signs because it really looks bad. People who see this have real significant grounds for suspicion that you are engaging in an idolatrous practice. Avod says the Rashba, if someone shakes and simply turns toward toward one particular direction, why why is anybody going to talk? What, what, what's suspicious about that? My kamri who does Maybe that's a direction he happens to face. That's a, he has to face some direction. So that's just a, there's nothing suspicious about facing any particular direction. Dafilu Haram nami. The Rashba says the example you brought. The example you brought that that if you shecht uh, if you shecht tuahar, that if you shecht L'Shem Ahar, L'Shem a mountain, that's Avodah Zara. He, says, he, he, he says, There are those who shecht L'Shem mountains. There was a problem in the time of Chazal. Oh L'Shem, the, the shade of the, of the mountain, the spirit of the mountain. Nobody says he can't shecht on a mountain. You can't shecht explicitly for the sake of a mountain. That's, that's Avodah Zara. But nobody says that, that if you're on a mountain, you can't shecht. People are going to say, oh, you're on a mountain. It must be you're to into the mountain. No That's where I am. I'm on the mountain. So I shecht on the mountain. It doesn't look suspicious. He said, and similarly, he says, the Mishnah only says you're not on a into an ocean or into a river. That looks funny. Ordinarily, shechtim don't shecht into oceans and rivers. That's just not a normal scenario. If people see that, then they have a reasonable suspicion that you are guilty of a desire. Harim lo amru. It doesn't say that you're shecht on a mountain. L'shem harim amru. It says you're to shecht l'shem for the sake of a mountain, for the honor of a mountain. You're to dedicate a to a mountain. Al gabe harim lo amru. It doesn't say anything about not shechting on a mountain. Vatayna Bazan, The reason again, as the Rashba reiterates, the reason that's not a problem is mishum de b'chihar, mishum niro There's no marasayin. People are going to say, he's on a mountain, so he shucked it on the mountain. That's where he was. That, that, that's, where he, that's where he finds himself. That's where he found himself, so that's where he shucked it. Kolshken Khan, certainly if you just happen to face east, no one's going to say, oh, you're facing east, it must be you're being over to There's four. There are four cardinal compass directions. You have to face one of them. So even though here, one could argue, even though here you're doing it because the Muslims want you to do it, and everyone knows that's what the Muslims want, and this is a Muslim-controlled marketplace... Nevertheless, the Rashba says it's not as evident that this is a vodezara. Not such a problem, the Rashba says. The kol Khan, khan diikolam emris muriyis ramile. Good. The Rashba says, I'll prove this to you. If you want to say this is like the way his correspondent did, this is like shekting into a sea. It creates a suspicion of a Mizra. Forget a Muslim marketplace, anyone who shacks in a Jewish slaughterhouse should make sure not to face east, not to face Mecca, because people are going to say, it's a Vodazara. You know, let the into a river, regardless of whether there's any over near you or not, because if, if you really think this is like shakhting into a river, it would be us, or even if there are no Muslims around, certainly nobody would be strict about that. Nobody ever says, nobody ever instructs the shakhtim, face west, face north, face south, don't face east, no such thing, says the rash, but the reason is, because there is nothing inherently suspicious about this. So first of all, you're not actually doing Avodah because you yourself are not intending to dedicate this animal to Allah. Even though the Muslim, maybe he is doing that, that doesn't affect you, because that's called Zemachashiv Zahovid. He has the Makshava, but he's not doing the Avodah. You're doing the Avodah, you're, you don't have the Makshava. So what did, it's not Avodah zahra. It's not Maris of Avodah because it doesn't look suspicious. And therefore Meikra did, it is not a problem the precedents that the Rashba's correspondent brought notwithstanding, they are not uh, parallel, and therefore Mi'ikra Adin, the Rashba says, this would be mutter, it's not a vodazar. However, says the Rashba, his conclusion is he really agrees to the position of the correspondent that this is repugnant, this is usur, it's not appropriate. not not mamashavodazar, he says, but nevertheless, the last couple of lines, he says, mi komakom, achar makpidim, once the fact is that the Muslims are particular about this, on their own animals, they insist on facing the Qibla, and they tell us explicitly, at the time of the Shechita, they insist that we listen to them, and exclusively, specifically, toward Mizra. Certainly it is appropriate to abolish such a custom, and to chastise and reprimand someone who does this, he doesn't say why exactly. Maybe he means the prohibition of chuk sagayim. Maybe he just means it's unseemly to adopt a practice of another religion. The yasher You, he supports him. He says you should be strengthened in your work. I agree with you, even though it's not strictly auster. Mikra din. This is something which is wrong. He says that is wrong and it should be abolished. So this is the position of the Rashba, that for a Jew to face al qibla at the behest of the Muslims is not strictly usher as of a but nevertheless it is inappropriate and it's a practice that we should not tolerate. Grossman? Yes? Hi, uh, Aaron, just, just a quick question. Um, does it matter, I mean, I, I don't have really the text the full um, response from Rashba, but does it matter whether or not he believes that Islam is a yes. So that is a crucial question. That is the most interesting question of the night and the most interesting and most important question of the night. And that I, I was waiting to see if somebody would ask me that or I was going to bring it up myself. That is a crucially important question which we're going to get to a little bit later. Okay, so, so, so we'll hold on to that and we'll get to that soon. So this, this Rashba was written again around, let's say, around 1300. This halacha was then in, brought by the Beis Yosef in the 16th century and the Shulchan Aruch codifies it in Shulchan Aruch. Yisrael lishchur elim ken yapak panav laal kibla in Yeridah and Hal Muslims who do not allow Jews to shecht unless they turn toward the kibla, which they, the, the note explains means east. If you certainly, if you live in uh, Europe, as according to their laws, ainadom l'shakl harim. On the one hand. Shulchan Aruch brings this at the end of his discussion of the Shulchan Aruch As the Rashba says, it's not it's not fall into that category. It's not really of a desire because you don't intend to dedicate the Shita to the, to the mountain and what the Muslim owner does, his makshava doesn't matter. When we call him, he says, it is appropriate to reprimand those who do this and to abolish the custom. Again, since they're meticulous about it, they're particular about it, we should not do it. The source of that is the Rashba. Now, around the same time as the Shulchan Aruch, we have a, we have the second tshuva I want to study tonight, and that is a chuva of the Radvaz. So, the Shulchan Aruch is Rabbi of Caro. Uh, spent much of his career in Sfask, earlier, Constantinople was born in Spain, I think. Left left as a child, went to Constantinople, then Sfas. Famous for being one of the Gedolei Israel of that time, and the and the and the author of the Shulchan Aruch. Around the same time. The Radvaz, Rabbi David ibn Zimra, was one of the Ghidali Hadar in Itzraim for much of his life, and then later, later he moved to Eretz Israel as well. So the Radvaz was also asked a question very similar to that of the very similar to that of the Rashbah. Uh, can we tolerate al Qibla? The Muslims both the Radvaz and Rabbi Yosef Cairo lived in Muslim countries, Muslim-controlled countries, and in the Radvaz's case as well. The Muslims used to that the, the the question was Muslims still practiced al qibla and the question was Are Jews allowed to shech toward the Qibla? Do we still have to follow this Shulchan Aruch? Shulchan Aruch felt yes because the Shulchan Aruch brings the Rashbah and Shulchan Aruch, but they asked the Radvaz, who is again a contemporary, a little bit older than the Shulchan Aruch. They asked the Radvaz, do are we allowed to shech toward al kibla Bizmanazeh. We know the Rashbah says you're not allowed to. So does that Rashba still apply? Bizmanazeh in the 16th century, says the Rashba, says the Radvaz, There's no need to be strict about this Rashba today. Why? He says, times have changed. The Rashba was talking about a case where the Jew is about to face another direction, north or west, and the Muslim says, nope, face that way, face Mecca. So there he says, that's what the Rashbo was talking about. If you turn at the request of the, of, the, of the Muslim, by agreeing to their religious demand, you're endorsing the legitimacy of their religion. If a Jew on his own, not under the direction, or the, the rules of any Muslim, chooses to face East, he says, That's the first leniency. If a Jew happens to face East, even if he does so deliberately, we'll see soon, not a problem, as long as he isn't doing so at the behest of a Muslim. Fesu, he says, The way the slaughterhouses were designed, probably because of Muslim uh, specifications, were all designed so that you face east when you shecht. There's no other room. It's not practical to shecht. There's no other way to do it. It's not practical to shecht in any other direction except east. There's so, if somebody walks by and sees the Jew shecting an animal facing east, he's not going to say, oh, I guess the Jew is worshipping toward Mecca. He's going to say, look, that's how the building is designed. The Muslims do it that way for their religion. The Jew is using their facility, and, and he has to face that way because there's no, he, has no, he has no choice. That's, that's how the, the, the facility is laid out. But there's no Marzallion because if the whole place is, is laid out like that, nobody's going to say, oh, the Jew must be uh, pledging fealty to Mecca and to Allah. And the Rashba says, the Rashbah says that the that because they're they Mazir, because they they adjure us at the time of Shita to do it this way, that's why it's a problem. And and again, like he said in the first reason, the Muslims today are not telling us anything. We're using their facility; they're not telling us what to do. So, therefore, the Rashba's reason doesn't apply. This last reason of the advice is very interesting. He says that this is perhaps the this is perhaps the something that that lies behind this really undergirds the whole tshuva. I think he says. We, we, we actually, when Jews shech we face East deliberately. We actually do the Qibla deliberately, consciously. Why do we do it? Because, just like today, when a, when a Jew Shecht an animal, and there's something wrong with the animal, it's a trefa, or there's parts of the animal we don't eat because of Gidanasheh or Khelev or Dam, so we, we just, we, we don't do all this Nikar, we just, some, some places do do nikur, but we don't do Nikar, we just give the whole chunk of the animal with the forbidden parts to the Gayim, we sell it to the Gayim, if it's a trefa or if something goes wrong with the shita or it's a trefa, we just sell it to the guy. So we rely, many of our behemoths are treif, and big parts of the animal we don't eat. In order for it to be commercially viable, we have to have buyers who will, buy, who will take the parts that we won't eat for religious reasons off our hands. That's what keeps shita commercially viable. Therefore, says the Red Vaz, in order in order to shecht in a commercially viable way, we have to have non-Jewish customers who will buy the parts of the meat that we don't want. Avlach harayim, the back parts, the hindquarters of the animal. Manichana, we don't want to do nikr. Minagafahu, it's a good idea, the Radva says. It's appropriate to do this. Jaina called Bakiyan benikr. Maybe some people know how to do nikr, but it's a dangerous process. Not everyone knows how to do it so well. If an animal is a nevelas, something goes wrong with the shechita, animals a trefa, you find something wrong with the organs, internal organs. We have to give it to them. And if we don't check, following the custom of al-Kibla, these Muslims were very firm. They would not be willing to buy the meat from us. They won't buy the meat if it wasn't shechted toward the Kibla. And if we can't dispose of the parts of meat that are ushered to us, we can't check because we can't afford it. And Jews won't have meat, so it'll be a great shas at chak. Hilkuch, he said, because of all these reasons, we no longer follow this stringency of the Rashba, because we need it to make our own affairs viable. That's the custom in this land, I assume he means Egypt. Not to be strict about this, either it's Israel or Egypt, we're not Mahmud. So the Ravaz is lenient for three reasons. He, he, he concedes that the Rashba is correct, but he says there are three reasons why the Rashba's din wouldn't apply. The first din is because the Rashba's din is only when we're about to sheft in a different direction and the non-Jew turns us, to, turns us and reorients us toward Mecca. The second reason is, when the whole facility is designed this way, it doesn't look like it's anything wrong, it's just we have no choice, that's how the facility is designed. The third, third point he makes, related to the first point, is that the Rashba only prohibited it when the non-Jew is actually there and, and is explicitly telling us shech toward the Qibla. And fourth and finally says, we, uh, we, we have a good reason to shech to the Qibla, because we know the Muslims won't buy it if we don't, uh, if, if we don't do that. We need, to be, we need to be able to sell it to them. Therefore, because of all these reasons, we we are no longer Mahmer for the Chumrah of the Rashbah, and the minna gets to be lenient that we and the jews in his time did shech deliberately toward al kibla now it's interesting the peshkechuva on in shulchan aruch ya when he summarizes this radvaz he, he paraphrases it very briefly and he says Ayin vaz, ain chuvas ein in our time we don't follow the Rashbah, we don't worry about it sheina because the non jews are not are uh, not so they're not makped about this they don't they don't care about this if you read the, when we first saw this Red Vase, we saw it in the Pisgah when you first look at this, it sounds like he's saying, Muslims don't care about the Qibla today. The, the custom is, uh, is, is, is not followed anymore. That is not what the Red vase says. On the contrary, the Red vase says they dafkashakted to the Qibla so the Muslims should buy the meat from them. Muslims most certainly did care about the Qibla. They care about Qibla today as well. They, they've been caring about the Al-Qibla for a thousand years, probably for more than that. Certainly since the time of the Rashba until today, probably hundreds of years earlier. So the Muslims certainly do care about the Qibla. What the Radvaz means, what the Peskhi Shuvah probably means as well, is that they're not Macbeth to insist to us that we have to shech to the Qibla. They don't tell us what to do. You Jews, do whatever you want. Now, they're not going to buy the meat from us if we don't shech to the Qibla. That's true. But they don't, they don't tell us what to do. And that's why the, the Radvaz was lenient. He says, as long as they're not sitting here telling us what to do, it doesn't look like we're endorsing their vodhuzarah. And since we have to do it because we need to have a customer base for the meat we don't eat, and they're not sitting here telling us what to do, and that's how the facility is designed, for all these reasons, the Radvaz says that we are lenient and uh, we are lenient and and, and we no longer follow this Rashba about not shechting toward the Qibla. So the Shulchan Aruch, who lived the same time as the Radvaz, a little bit later, felt that the custom is still in force, that the Rashba's prohibition, the Rashba's admonition against shechting to the Qibla is still in force, the Radvaz felt it was not in force for all the reasons that that for all the reasons that he gives. Now, moving forward again another century or two, we have this is not a chuva, but in the pre towar The pre towar is Rabbi Chaim ibn Atar Sefer and Yaradeah, the Rachimakadish is he's best known popularly for his work on uh on Chumash, but he also was a great posik, and, and he wrote works on Yarodea. So his work on the beginning of Yaradea is called the Pre-Towar. So in the Pre-Tawar, he addresses this question as well. He says, what Isra are we talking about? When the Shulchan Aruch brings this din, that we, that we, the like, Shulchan Aruch brings the rash that you're not allowed to shech toward Al-Kibla. Says the Pre-Tawar, and this is going to address what Dr. Saipas was saying. Hamilsi says, Ein mitzvah He sa gayim. He says, The issue here is only a mitzvah of not following the ways of the gayim. he says. There's no issue at all of Avodah Now, the Rashmol says there's no issue of Avodah But the Pritawar goes in a very different direction. Pritawar veers off in a different direction. He says, why is there no issue of Avodah Zarah? Muslims, he says, they deny Avodah They reject Avodah Shalim. They believe in the oneness of God. They believe thoroughly in the unity of God. They consider polytheism a capital offense. They, they, they believe that to that to that to reject Yichud is absolutely intolerable. So they absolutely believe they don't believe in Avodah Zara, They believe in the one God. Their Allah is the same as our God. He says it's the it's that they absolutely believe in a Baruchu. What about the fact that they shek to the Qibla? So that sounds like they're worshiping a mask or a rock or something. He says no. He says that's not Avodah Zara. We do the same thing. We face east, he says. Is that a problem? Of course it's not a problem. Why do we face east, he says? We face east because that's where the B'Tamikdash was. That's where the Shekhinah was. That's not Avodazara. he says. Of course not. So just like when we face east, there's absolutely no element of Avodah When a Muslim faces Al-Qibla, there's no Avodah involved, he says. That's where they believe that that's the right direction to face toward Allah. But uh, that has nothing to do with Avodazara. Vagami the says, They stole this from us, he says. They stole our Indian facing Mizrach, and they distorted it to facing Mecca, he says. But the same idea, it's the same Indian that we have, he says. They, they, they stole it from us. It's not the Zarah. They simply shech toward Mecca, toward Al Qibla, so the Shkita should be, uh, find favor in the eyes of God, and, and they worship the same God we do. Vizep Pashadetzli, he says. This is obvious to me that this is their intention. It's a legitimate intention. B'piyahogim from those who study and are familiar with their religion, not sure if he means uh, professors or Jewish experts in Islam, or he means Islamic experts he, he spoke to, but whatever it is, he says, those who are well-versed in the nature of Islam will, will attest to this, he says, that there's no element of a It's an absolutely pure and legitimate Kavana, he says. So after all this, he says, even though there's nothing wrong with this, there's nothing theologically problematic or somehow idolatrous or heretical about directing your shita toward God, facing a certain direction, just as we do it during prayer. Muslims do it during certain other rituals, including shechita. There's ain't bo gnai. Ain't bo he says, there's nothing wrong with this. Nevertheless, Jews shouldn't do it. The is still correct. Jews shouldn't do it. Since this is not a Jewish custom, we face east when we pray. We don't face east when we shecht animals. This is Chuk Sagayim, Ba'asir l'chatechila. So the Pritar says, the is right that the, the custom is forbidden for Jews and we should not do it. But just so you understand, he says it's not a Zarah because they don't do it. They don't worship Avodah Zarah and it's, uh, that's not the isser. The isser is simply Chuk Sagayim. It's not a Jewish custom. It's a custom of another religion. It should be avoided even though it is not Avodah Zarah. Now the Primagodim points out, I think it's the Primagodim who points this out, the Pre-Towar, whatever it's, whatever, whatever, it's, uh, whatever the merits of his argument are, it's against the Rashba, because the Rashba, both the correspondent and the Rashba himself, both talked about Avodah They both said it's a question of Avodah They said it's not a problem, either because of Zemachashiv Zahoved, since the Machshav Avodah is by the Muslim, not by the Jew, so, it's just, so therefore that doesn't make it the Kravos Avodah there's no Marisayan, they said, because people will say it's Ravu'i who did Rami. People will realize that it's, uh, he's deliberately facing east. But it, the Rashpa was very clear that he actually felt it was potentially Avodhazara. He just said for these various arguments, the Radvaz also, when the Radvaz talked about why it's Mutter, he explained again why the Rashpa stringencies don't apply, the, the Rashpa strictures don't apply, because people don't realize that's what you're doing, it doesn't look like that. But the Rashba takes for granted that this is fundamentally a question of Avodah He just says it's not a problem because zemachashiv is the Ovid. says the Rashba's Mashmah, that if the Muslim himself would shecht the animal uh, toward uh, and face the Qibla, that would be Avodah Just that if the Jew and the, toward the Qibla and the Muslim thinks of Islam, that's not Avodah because zemachashiv is the Ovid. If one person has a Machashiv of but he's not the person doing the Shechita, that does not create uh, takrovah of the Rashba is very much mashma that Islam is a Vodazara, just that it doesn't, it doesn't make the animal usher because the Muslim who, who controls it is not the one doing the shhita. The Pritar disagrees apparently. Pritar says it's not a Bakhlal, it has nothing to do with the Sugis and Khulin. Sugis and Khulin are discussing a Vodazara. Islam is not a Vodazara, so there's no element of a at all. The only thing he agrees to with the Rashbah is the Rashba's conclusion that it's still inappropriate because of Khukasagayim. But the, but the Pritar makes the point. That Islam is not avodah and therefore the worst this can be is chuk sagayim, which he agrees that it is, but it's not at all an issue of avodah not actual avodah not marrusayin of avodah All it is is chuk sagayim. Now one can really debate whether this should be chuk or not. Whether a practice which is legitimate theologically legitimate, just because the non-Jews do it, is that really chuk sagayim? If the you know, if, if if they pray before they before they go on a trip, is that chuk sagayim? We do it too. We, we have to a They pray in general, we pray. Not every form of religious worship is chuk sagayim just because they do it and we do it. Some of those things, the argument might be we did it first. That that that, that that's possibly a distinction. This is a point that, that's always fascinating. It's, it's always interesting to see how postkim define chuk sagayim. I discussed a while ago the question of whether the, the, the there was a major machlokas, whether Trees or flowers in shul on shavus is prohibited because of chukz There was an old minog to put greenery, herbs, flowers, trees in shuls and homes on shavus. Still do it today in many places, flowers. The Gaon of Vilna, we don't have this in his own writings, but his followers in his Talmudim reported that the Gona of Vilna opposed the custom of trees, and some say even flowers, in shuls on shavus because of chukz ha because the ga'im do it. Now, when I was young, I always point out, when I was young and I heard that the gun was opposed to flowers on Shavuos, trees on Shavuos, because it was a non-Jewish custom, I said, oh, you must mean Christmas. He did not mean Christmas and trees. What he meant was Pentecost. Pentecost is a holiday The word. Penta means 50. It's a holiday that occurs 50 days after Easter in Christianity, around the time of Shavuos. Easter is around Pesach. Pentecost is around Shavuos. And in in Eastern Orthodox uh, Christianity, there is a custom that that they put trees and different types of uh, growing things in the churches on Pentecost. It's a Pentecost custom. That was what the Gon and the Chayadim and various other Litvish postkim were, were concerned, that Shavuos is right around the time of Pentecost, and if, the, if they put stuff in the churches, and when we do it, that, that sounds like Chukz Agayim. We discussed, recently, we discussed the question of masks, where some postkim said, masks are Asr on Purim because it's Chukz Agayim of Carnival. So that's what the Gon held about Shavuos. He held take, putting a tree in the shul on Shavuos, that's what the Christians do on Pentecost. You can't do that. The Sholem Asham, on the other hand, says that he had, so he had people ask a, a senior Christian, a senior Christian, uh, uh, someone high in the church, someone so someone who knew the Christian customs, he had them ask someone in the church, why do you put branches in the church? Is it some religious thing or what is it? So they said there's nothing, there's no religious symbolism involved. It's just a custom to beautify the church. It's, it, it's just a way of celebrating the holiday by making pretty things in the church. So the Sholem said, so then it's fine, that we don't have to worry about the, the concern of the Gra. If, if they have a custom to just uh, celebrate the holiday by putting attractive greenery in the church, that's not a Christian custom, that's just a nice custom. They, they, have a, they have a suit also, maybe. That, 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 that's not he says. Anything which is not inherently Christian doesn't create an Isra, according to the Sholem The Goan may have disagreed, or he may have understood the custom differently. I'll call upon him. getting back to Al-Kibla, so the pre is telling us, the Rasper already tells us, that there is a problem here of chukas Gayam gayim of imitating the gayim. If it's a Muslim custom, we shouldn't do it. The pre Towar, on the one hand, tells us that there's nothing fundamentally, uh, fundamentally wrong with this custom because they're, they're dedicating the shkita to Allah, which is one god, which is a monotheistic religion. Nevertheless, it's a non-Jewish custom, so we shouldn't do it. You, know, you can argue this is worse than the case of the trees, because in the case of the trees, it has no religious significance at all. The case of here, they are worth, they are facing Mecca. They believe there's something special about Mecca, even if it's just a question of Muhammad and his Navua, which, which we don't believe in, even if it's not of a but it is something that has to do with Islam. So facing Mecca is, is you can't get more Islamic than that. So the, So the Pritar felt, the bottom line is, the Pritar felt, even though the custom inherently says is Ainbo Gnai klal, even though there's nothing wrong inherently with the custom, nevertheless, he says, you shouldn't do it. Because at, at bottom it's an Islamic custom. So we have the Rashba, who seems to say it's actually a question of Avodazara. Nevertheless, it's technically mutter because you're not you're not doing Avodzara, the Muslim is. And Zemachashav is the and it's not Marasayan, because nobody knows why you're facing east. We have the Radvaz who says we don't practice the salah at all busmanazah for various reasons. Shulchan Aruch fails we do. But the Pritar says even if we do, it's not because of Audazara. That that's overblown. Islam is not Avodzara. Islam is Islam is monotheistic. Islam is fine. Nevertheless, we shouldn't do it because it's a non-Jewish custom. It's a Muslim custom. Now, the backdrop of the backdrop of all this is, of course, this is a crucially important question: whether we treat Islam as a vodazar. It has many ramifications in many areas of halacha. For example, there is a major dispute between the Tzitz Eliezer, Eliezer Waldenberg, and Rav Yosef and Rabbi Omer whether it is permitted to enter a mosque. You're not allowed to enter a church. That's a prohibition widely agreed upon by the postkim. Some postkim have certain dispensations in certain cases, but generally you're not allowed to enter a church. A church is considered a base of a Different parts of the church, the basement of the church, and so on, but there is a prohibition against entering a church. What about a mosque? Tzitzeliezer says you're not know allowed to enter a mosque. He says any base of a desire of any religion, even Islam, is considered a base of a Any house of worship of any other religion other than Judaism is a base of a not allowed to enter a mosque. Says Rav Avadia, not correct. I don't think that's the halach at all. He brings numerous postkim who say that Islam is not a vodah as Dr. Cypress was alluding before. Many postkim say Islam is not a vodah It's a monotheistic religion. They believe in one God. They, don't, uh, they have a different Torah. They have a different Navi. They have different halachas. There's a lot of things that we think they're wrong about, but theologically, fundamentally, they believe in one God just as we do. So that is the position of many poskim, Rav Avadya says that is the Iker LaHalacha. Most notably, that is the position of the Rambam. The Rambam has a, a major tshuva and a discussion of the Yad Ha'zaka as well, where, uh, comments on the Yad Ha'zaka where he emphatically says Islam is not a Zarah. Even though there are some rishonim who said that Islam was Avodah Vodazara, or at least that old Arab religions it wasn't clear that we're all talking about Islam, is Avodah Zarah. Ravavadya staunchly rules that the is like the Rambam. He says the Rambam was the greatest Baki in Islam, more than some of the other he's shown him, and he tells us it's not Rav Therefore, Ravavadya rules authoritatively that Islam is not He's not discussing shakting toward the Qibla, he's discussing entering a mosque and other issues, but he says Islam is not a and you are allowed to enter a mosque. Now, the chuva of the Rambam is a fascinating, fascinating chuva, and maybe we'll see it next week or another week. It's a tshuva that, that, it's one of the most fascinating chuvas I've ever seen, and it is definitely worth studying in, 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 a, in a future installment in this series, but tonight we'll just mention briefly that the Rambam rules emphatically that Islam is not a vodah Revavadya says that's the halacha. There are some posts who say that Islam might be a vodah but as we've seen. There's a ma- I, I, I haven't really seen anybody bring this, but this rashpa would seem to be a major support for that view. The Rashba ultimately says that Avodazar is not an issue here because the person having the, the idolatrous intention is not the one doing the Shechita. But the Rashba strongly implies that he does assume that Islam is Avodazar. Nevertheless, that doesn't ask her the Shechita for the reasons he gives. But the Rashba very much seems to indicate that he thought Islam was Avodazar. He doesn't even... He just takes it for granted. He compares it to the of of L'Shem Harim, Sholket tokhayam which are all idolatrous issues. And nevertheless, the Rashba says as long as it's the Muslim who has those makshavas those and not you... It's not actually a problem as long as it's not nicker from what you're doing. It's not visible. People don't realize what you're doing. It's not a problem. But in principle, the Rashba seems to think that Islam would be a zara. This is a very important point. It, it, it seems if that's what the Rashba means, it's contrary to the Rambam. It's contrary to the other post avodah he brings. And as we've seen tonight, the, the pretoar is uh, follows the Rambam. The pretoar, without mentioning the Rambam explicitly, the pretoar just authoritatively asserts that Islam is not a zara. That's why he says the whole. He doesn't address the fact that the that the Rashba says seems to say it is a vodizara, but he just says it's absolutely not a vodizara because, because Islam is not a vodizara. So the pre pre-tawar is in line with the Rambam and the Ravavadya that Islam is not a vodizara, but the Rashba is strong again. The Rashba ultimately passes this mutter anyway, but the Rashba strongly implies that he thought that Islam was a vodizara. So again, in a future installment, we'll study the chuvah the Rambam, Bli Neder. Of what he says about Islam and how he explains that it's not of a and the extraordinary context in which he says it as well.